Get ready to celebrate God's call to go. Here's your weekly dose of heartwarming encouragement for the missionary in all of us. Welcome to Missions Change My Life. Now here's your host, Pastor Kevin. Good morning. Good morning. This is Pastor Kevin, and we are on Missions Change My Life. It's November the 3rd, 2020. Can you believe it? Uh, we've got Pastor David in the studio today. Welcome, Pastor David. How are Thank you? you? Glad to be here. Yeah. Good to be here. And we have our co-host, Justin, from all the way, well, he's in Mooresville, North Carolina right now, but he's from Manipur, India. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to get to know Pastor David, and you're going to get to ask him all about his trips to India. But first of all, let me just introduce you to this wild and crazy creature over here. He's one of our most favorite board members, and we're very thankful for him and his investment in the kingdom and India, Global Hope India and everything. So uh, David is from Wallace, North Carolina. He's been married almost 26 years. Uh, his wife is Kelly, and I give David a hard time, and he gives me a hard time. We go back and forth. I pity his wife, Kelly, and he so pities my wife, Shelly. Oh, I pray for Shelly all the time. <laughs> well, I'm confident that Kelly has earned Purple Heart probably five or six times in putting up with you. She'll probably have a crown the size of a wagon wheel when she gets to heaven. So hopefully you already can tell me and David are brothers from another mother. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is my older brother by many, many years. Uh, not much. <laughs> by many years. At least I look a lot younger than you. That's Just what I think. <laughs> David and Kelly have two daughters, and they are blessed with two grandkids. They have a uh, grandson and a granddaughter. Right. Yeah, and I see more photos of them than anybody else on your oh. Facebook. Oh, that's right. They are my, some of my favorite people. Hatch <laughs> and Laney. Yeah. Brittany and Bailey. And yeah. You have a mess of extended family, though. Oh, yeah. There was five of us boys and two girls in my family, and, and then our parents, same, same parents. <laughs> And uh, which is unusual this day and age, I guess. But mm -hmm. and then uh, my mother was a, a sibling of seven, and wow. then my uh, father had four or five, and so cousins everywhere you look. You uh -huh. I can sit on my front porch and see three brothers' house, an aunt, two cousins, and um, just just sitting on my porch. Don't they call that a commune? In some states, <laughs> I can't imagine the family reunions. How many pigs you'd have to you'd have to serve? Or it's scary. <laughs> I bet. Kind I of bet. a bloodbath when we get to ah. So didn't you tell me one time that your mom was known for her biscuits? Yes. Yeah. How many biscuits at a time would she have to make to feed you? Well, growing up, she had a pan that would just fit in the oven. Mm -hmm. So you know how big an oven is. Yeah. And she she might fix that two times. Ah. And uh, when, when we would have fried chicken, which was about every other day, she would fry three chickens uh -huh. to feed us. Yeah. Because there was always, you know, seven or eight there to eat. And then a lot of times there were two or three cousins living with us in the summertime working in tobacco. So yeah. She fixed a huge buffet meal three times a day. How, do, how did you stay so skinny your whole life? Well, <laughs> when you have to fight for <laughs> When you have to fight for your groceries. Uh-huh. 
you can uh, you can stay skinny. Now, yeah. after I got away from all that, I, I learned how to keep a few of those pounds on. Uh huh. Yeah, not, I'm so glad I'm I'm did, skinnier but, than you. I'm so glad oh, about that. <laughs> we're gonna have a lot of fun. <laughs> As you can tell, we, me and Pastor David have a great time. So he has, believe it or not, an associate's degree in theology. He serves the church at Penhook as their associate pastor. Uh, you've been there how many years? Well, I, that was the church I was raised in. Yeah. I lived in Wilmington. Born on the front row. Oh, yeah. <laughs> baptized the following Sunday. In, in, uh, in a Pentecostal holiness revival. Of okay. Course. And uh, But then now I lived in Wilmington about 12, 13 years. But mm. other than that, I've been at Pinhook Church. Yeah. My entire life. Yeah. So David's family is out in the sticks, as you can tell. Hopefully, it's not going to be a shocker when you hear his dialect. He's not a city boy. Yeah, I'm not from New York City. I know you think I am, but I'm, I'm really not. So. He, he looks like a fashion model. <laughs> but well, there's that. He grew up in agricultural area. So how many turkeys your family owns and oh, chickens Lord. and hogs? Well, my brothers are really into the uh, uh, chickens and hogs and turkeys, and there's just hundreds of thousands of them. I guess. Yeah, wow. Well, wow, no shortage of protein around your family. None. Yeah. Well, good, good. So we're going to get in. We tried to get to two truths and a lie, and we couldn't get there because there were so many interesting facts of <laughs> Pastor David. It would We would just have to dedicate the whole month of November to episode after episode just to explain uh, just to have fun with this. But one interesting fact is you own your own sawmill. Yes. Yeah. When I How did that happen? Well, when I retired from Wilmington, um, I thought I was going to need stuff to do. And and so didn't realize I would be as busy as I am with church. And, and so a friend of mine had a sawmill and he, he wanted me to buy it. And I said, well, why not? So <laughs> I bought it. We got a lot of uh, uh, land there and a lot of trees. And so it's been a lot of fun cutting down a tree and turning it into furniture or, or whatever wow. along those lines and building little buildings and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So one of the interesting facts is you're trying to convince us. I know you're very old, but you you actually fought in the Civil War. Is that what you're saying? Or you did Civil War in Ackman? It, you look like you fought in it. <laughs> well, I, I was in several battles of the Civil War, but they were reenactments. Okay. And so I have always been a big history of a uh, fan of history, and so the history of our country and Civil War and and Revolutionary War also, but so I, I got involved in that for a, quite a while and um, learned a lot of history of North Carolina and our country and what um, brought on the Civil War and some things that we should have learned from the Civil War that I hope we did mm -hmm. and in fact could be used right now in our time. <laughs> Amen, you know? brother. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, I, lo I love history and and when I preach or when I teach, a lot of times I'll tell people that I'm sorry that I keep um, bringing up all these historical facts. It might be boring to them, but it's very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So if I, any time period that I'm doing anything with, whether it's the Bible or uh, any other one, um, I want to find out how the common everyday person lived, mm. what they ate, mm -hmm. and that kind of a thing. And so that's how I got into Civil War reenacting. Plus, a lot of my family was uh, fought in the Civil War, mm -hmm. and so it was interesting to me to— um, to find out where they were and how they lived and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Another interesting tidbit is that you've been a part of a living Christmas tree. You said it started in 
1929. So apparently you were old enough to remember that. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't one of the first ones. There, but <laughs> if you are living anywhere near Wilmington, North Carolina, you've probably heard of the world's uh, largest living Christmas tree. Now, this is not a choir singing on steps or anything. This is actually a Christmas tree or, or an oak tree. And I think it was about 90 feet tall at one time and about 70 feet across. And so for years and years... I was part of the team that would go and decorate the old Christmas tree. And it had the Santa Claus house under the bottom. And it was just such a big thing in our area to go to Wilmington at Christmas and to see the Christmas tree and to see um, Santa Claus there. And and they would have the manger scene under the tree. And and it was just really a a nice thing to be a part of because it was so uh, much of our Christmas celebration in the area that I'm from. And so I really enjoyed doing that. And as far as I know, I have the last um, string of lights that was on that Christmas tree. Wow. See, I told you I like history, so I keep going like <laughs> that, you know. Yeah. You, uh, you fire them up? Do they actually mm-hmm. burn? Yeah, they do. Oh, they're the big lights, right? Yeah, the big, big uh, light bulbs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. They were getting rid of all that when they cut the old tree down. It died. And so they, I said, well, I got to have a strand of it, at least one, you know. And, yeah. So if you go into any of my buildings at home, I'll have 10 of everything you'll never need. And that's <laughs> one of them. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's very interesting. Well, we're, I promise you, we're going to get to India. Justin's here. He's about to take us over to India and hear all about Pastor David's trip. But one last thing while we're in Wilmington, mm-hmm. you were part of the film industry, North Carolina's film industry there in Wilmington? Right. I worked for the city of Wilmington for 31 years and uh, towards the end of my career with them before I retired. They um, had me kind of liaison between the city maintenance department. Mm-hmm. I was an electrician. So you weren't an actor? Well, I could act a little. <laughs> I, I'm in several things. Uh-huh. And uh, sometimes I weren't supposed to be in the movie, but I was in it. Uh-huh. And so if they needed lights cut off on the, the whole street, mm. you know, for them to do a night scene or something, then I would, I'd be there with them all night long. And so I got to meet a lot of actors, you know, just sitting around. And uh, drinking coffee with them, something that I do occasionally. Who's the most famous person? Oh gosh, you remember meeting? Well, um, or a couple and, of people. Andy Griffith was yeah? one that probably okay. everyone knows. Um, he was very nice to me, not to most people, but oh. but he was to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, little Jimmy Dickens was another one that I had met, and mm-hmm. just you know, it's just so many I can't remember them all now. But yeah, uh, and a lot of times we wouldn't meet the star they just bring them out for a few minutes to do mm-hmm. their scene then they'd go back in but but there were some of them that just hung around on the set you know they didn't like sitting in their mm-hmm. in their trailer all the time and so um about every movie they did in wilmington and one time we were doing three sitcoms at the same time and so that wasn't my everyday job but it was a big part of my mm-hmm. job and my last day that i worked for wilmington i went downtown got a cup of coffee and was walking and uh talking to some of my contractors on, on my cell phone. And um, and I walked up to the edge of the street, and I seen a bunch of people waiting on this car to come by. So I stood there waiting with them, talking on the phone, wasn't paying any attention. And when the car went by, we all walked across. Then we got to the other side. I heard them say, cut. 
<laughs> it sounds like a scene from Forrest Gump, where Forrest was in the background of all these famous, famous scenes. That, that was David. <laughs> yeah. And so I looked back and I seen the cameras and all that stuff. You know, and I just laughed and walked on. You know, so that was my last day. With <laughs> they fired you because you messed up the, the scene. Right? Oh, I gave them more opportunities to fire me than that. <laughs> Uh, for some reason they kept letting me hang around i don't know yeah yeah that that at least sounds like an interesting way to make some income (laughs) and now imagine yourself on the foreign mission field you and your team are on the bus going to today's programs after singing a few songs pastor kevin stands to deliver a devotion Hey team, gather around. Before we go out into the program today, I want to encourage you with this word provision. I want you to hear that word. Let the Holy Spirit bring it into your spirit. Hear your heavenly father declare provision over you. I want you to look at one of the funniest stories in the Bible out of Luke 18 verses 1 through 8. It's the parable of the persistent widow, and it's easy for you and I to miss the humor in it, but just listen. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her consistent request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his people who cry out to him night and day? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who will have faith? I want you to allow God to increase your faith about his willingness and his ability to provide. Hear the word provision. You know, in coming on this mission, we had to raise support. And the Bible makes it clear, either we go or we send or we're disobedient in the Great Commission. When we ask people to join our support team, we're empowering people to obey. We are honoring God as we're calling people to send us out as missionaries. You might think, I don't like asking for money, and that's just where we need to get over our pride. Maybe we have the ability to self-pay, and we don't have to ask for money, but even then, we should consider fundraising for projects on our mission. So ask with intentionality of following up. Communicate your goals and your deadlines. Always communicate with gratitude, not desperation. We need to understand that asking is like packing our bags for our mission trip. You remember doing that? But getting our butt in a plane is really what gets us there. 
And so when it comes to support raising, many people focus on packing their bags, but not necessarily boarding the plane. But that's what it takes to get here where we are today on the mission trip. We need to understand that provision is is not personal. It honors God. It's not about us. It's about his character. We need to believe and receive, the Bible says, where God guides, he provides, and celebrate now, not only when our funding comes in. We need to celebrate now, not only when our funding comes in. God is faithful now, and so we can give thanks in advance. You remember doing that as we support raised, and now you're here. So look at God's provision. Think of his provision today. Celebrate his provision. And now the test continues as we go out. We're going to face people who need to be healed. We're going to face miracles. We're going to face people in desperate need for miracles. And so realize that we serve a God whose character is to be a faithful provider. Think of the word provision today and believe on the Lord. Today, as we go out into our program, I encourage you to think of the word provision. Are you ready? Let's get out there. Ready, set, go. Check out Kevin's new book, Audacious Generosity. Given the choice, Every one of us wants to be more generous, but fear holds us back. Audacious generosity is where God is the giver, and giving depends on what God puts into your hands. Gone are the days of feeling pressured to be the giver. Instead, audacious generosity will empower you for limitless giving as God gives through you. See what happens when we open our hands to God and commit in advance to use what He puts in our hands to fulfill His mission. Check out audaciousgenerosity.com and reserve your copy today. That's audaciousgenerosity.com. We want to show some local love to Cliff Benson at American Homesmith. Cliff runs the company on the simple principle that production-built homes can be special and not follow the cookie-cutter model. They give back by supporting 17 different community organizations. Only heaven knows how many people in the world will have a roof over their head because of the Benson family. We want to thank Cliff Benson and American Homesmith for his witness of Christ and his generous spirit. Check out their website at AmericanHomesmith.com. Let's hear all about Pastor David's trip to India. I know, right? Yeah. I'm so excited to, to hear your story about India. Well, you were a big part of most of it. <laughs> so, yeah. when uh, Like, how many times have you been to India? Two times. Two times. Mm-hmm. When was it? When was your first time? First time was in 2018 when we went up to Nagaland. Oh, Nagaland. Yeah, yeah. let's go to the Nagaland story. Oh, Lord. <laughs> if, you're go- if you're going to Twinson in Nagaland, one thing, you're going to see a very beautiful part of the world, beautiful country, but you are going to suffer getting there in a car. <laughs> it, it's like 100 miles straight up a mountain. takes you about 12 hours, and you will literally die going up there. I but know. they're building a nice road there now, so when they get it done, I want to go back. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, even I've been the first time one from Dimapur to Twinson. The first time I was I was so sick. Oh yeah, I got sick going myself. <laughs> yeah, so excited. So and um, when was the second one? I've been 2018, 2019, and 2020. Mm-hmm. Now 19 and 20 was the same trip. We we were there uh over the new year. And so I sent my family home a text and when it turned midnight in India which mm-hmm. is, you know, about 10 hours ahead. And so I, I sent them a text at like 12.01, 
India time. Right. And I said, now, greetings from the year 2020. <laughs> and so I tell them all now, you know, mm-hmm. that I have been in this 2020 mess 10 years longer than most everybody <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, like, what did you do in a, during the mission trip in Nagaland? Like, what's your team have done about, like? Well, I, I was partnered up with a team of engineers that uh-huh. I got to be very good friends with and consider them brothers of mine just after that one trip. And uh, Josh and Stephen. Mm-hmm. And they, they were engineers, and so they were going around uh, helping different towns and uh, people uh, with engineering issues they had, like designing buildings and that kind of stuff to be right. built for a school. And then mm-hmm. help, we helped one town to uh, decide how to do a bus park. So mm-hmm. that the buses would stop at their town and spend some money. Mm. And um, when we got on up to Twinson, I helped the pastor, a Chew and a Chi, those uh, pastor and his wife. She needed some cabinets uh-huh. in her kitchen, mm. and so um, I said, "Well, that I can do." So <laughs> we had a skill saw and uh, a Phillips screwdriver, and mm. and a little short square that I had brought. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. Ah. And uh, we we built her uh, some cabinets and some shelves and um, mm. up there. And then it was at a school. And mm-hmm. I think there's about 750 children that go to that school, to which the pastor is the head of that school. Mm-hmm. And so all day long, as children were coming and going, teachers were coming and going, we were outside building those cabinets, and then they would have to walk by. And so we got to meet all of them coming and going. Right. And then, you know, we met a lot of other people um, that uh, in the street and it, in the towns. We we would go, we went to the hardware store, which uh-huh. for us, we're used to big box hardware store. All right. <laughs> this hardware store was about um, 10 foot wide and probably 20 <laughs> foot deep. And I don't know what it had behind it in a warehouse, but, mm-hmm. but one thing that stuck out to me, they had what we needed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but we didn't have a truck, and he said, um, "He said if you want us to deliver it, mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay a delivery fee." And we said, "We understand that." Mm-hmm. And so he said, "It's going to be what ended up being about two U.S. dollars to deliver it." And it was a couple mm-hmm. of miles from this hardware store, <laughs> um. and and the delivery was two guys toting mm-hmm. our plywood a couple of miles <laughs> back, back to where we needed and they beat us back then <laughs> so uh, just yeah interacting interacting with the folks in india you will find or i have found mm-hmm. number one none of them speak north carolina country boy at all mm-hmm. but they are the friendliest people you mm-hmm. will ever meet i have never once felt like i was endangered mm-hmm. or that anyone um didn't want me there Mm-hmm. Everyone right. I met on on both trips mm-hmm. were very friendly, very loving people. Right. It's like totally like when you are in Nagaland, you feel like you are outside of India because right. the faces, the people, and the foods and everything is totally different than mainly in India. Right. Yeah. So I'm from Manipur, which is very close to Nagaland. It's like uh, maybe I would say 10 to 15 hours drive from Na- Manipur to Nagaland. And so it's just like, the same similar life so everything mm-hmm. the same but when i came to america the first time i i went into the store oh my gosh every store whether it's a hardware store any store 
I was like totally amazed. Like, oh my gosh, I've never seen such a kind of a store in my life. It's totally like, if you want to buy even st- like any kind of a food or anything, there's a lot of different type right. of choices. Right. So I was so confused. It's yeah. like, no matter what you're looking for, you have just all kinds of choices. When you get back towards like Delhi and, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Mumbai and that kind of thing, but but up in Twinson, or you know, in Netherlands, yeah. or, or it's yeah. very limited. Yeah, on, that's so know, true. If, if you need a screw, they probably have screws, mm-hmm. but they got one size screw. Right, make, make it work. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, like the, your next trip that was in Mumbai. So, like that's a different kind of a story. So, what did you do? It. Like to- totally different trip. It mm-hmm. was it was like a complete different trip. Right. Uh, on the first trip, we flew into Delhi, and then we flew into um, Calcutta, and then we went to um, Dimapur, and then went up to Nagaland. Yeah. And total different mm-hmm. uh, looking people, totally different looking landscape. That's and, true. And mm-hmm. so, the second trip, we flew into um, Mumbai. Mm-hmm. And we moved over into Navi Mumbai, which is New Mumbai, mm. just like New Delhi. And, right. And uh, so very crowded. Right. M- uh, millions of people. Mm-hmm. I think in uh, Mumbai and, and Navi Mumbai, there's 23 million people. Mm. And so compare that to New York. The five That's, boroughs has mm-hmm. like nine million people. And mm-hmm. so it's just people everywhere, you know, and I'm right. a little comfortable. I, you know, I'm not used to being around right. that many people at one time. But mm-hmm. again, just as friendly a people as you have could meet anywhere. And mm-hmm. uh, um, but our, our mission there was completely different. First time I'm building cabinets. Mm-hmm. This time we are on a medical mission trip. Right. And so. We have uh, a lot of prescriptions that we can offer people, mm-hmm. and we would always team up with one or two doctors from their community, mm-hmm. and and so we would we would fix us a line, mm-hmm. and people would come, and first one they would see would be me. Mm-hmm. Poor things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I would totally confuse them, but, uh, <laughs> but my job was very simple. It was to Take a tape measure mm-hmm. and see how tall they were. Write it on on their on their form, you know, that they filled out, mm. and then uh, uh, take their weight. Right. And uh, it's funny. I, I said that ninety five percent of everybody in India is mm-hmm. five foot one. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like a mold or something. You, know? you can only be five foot one, and and so. I would weigh them, I would measure them, and then I would offer prayer. Mm. And mm. no matter how bad their personal situation was, uh, they would most always say, pray for my children, mm. that they will get education, mm. and that they will have good health. Mm-hmm. No matter what situation they were in themselves, it was mm. always their children they wanted me to pray for. Mm-hmm. And so I... Um, Prayed for just about everybody that come through our line, and some days we would have a couple of hundred uh, in the line, you know, mm-hmm. come through. Right. And so, you know, God allowed me to use that little the world's cheapest tape measure that we had over there. Mm-hmm. Most of us wouldn't have it; mm-hmm. it didn't hardly work. You know, wouldn't go back in and out. But God allowed mm-hmm. me to use that one dollar tape measure mm-hmm. to pray with hundreds and hundreds of people in right. India. It's so cool, yeah. 
and be so blessed by. So Pastor David is telling an incredible story right now about his experience on the mission trip in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to, we're going to pause right now and we're going to make it the ending of part one. And next week we're going to invite the audience to come back and listen to part two. Oh yeah. Because he's just about to share about a miracle that he saw with his own eyes mm-hmm. right there in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. And so we invite you to come back next week for yeah. Pastor David part two. Oh yeah. His stories are so good. Can't wait to hear. Yeah. This episode is complete, so head over to globalhopeindia.org for show notes, resources, and opportunities to go to India through GHI. Continue to be radically transformed by God as you live out the Great Commission, and we'll see you again next week here at Missions Change My Life.